Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Abandonment to Divine Providence by Jean-Pierre de Caussade Book 1, Chapter 2, Section 5, The Action of Jesus Christ in the Souls of Men, Continued. The Holy Spirit has pointed out, in infallible and incontestable characters, some moments in that ocean of time in the sacred scriptures. In them we see by what secret and mysterious ways he has brought Jesus before the world. Amidst the confusion of the races of men can be distinguished the origin, race, and genealogy of this, the firstborn. The whole of the Old Testament is but an outline of the profound mystery of this divine work. It contains only what is necessary to relate concerning the advent of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit has kept all the rest hidden among the treasures of his wisdom. From this ocean of the divine activity, he only allows a tiny stream to escape, and this stream, having gained its way to Jesus, is lost in the apostles and has been engulfed in the apocalypse. So that the history of this divine activity, consisting of the life of Jesus and the souls of the just to the end of time, can only be divined by faith. As the truth of God has been made known by word of mouth, so his charity is manifested by action. The Holy Spirit continues to carry on the work of our Savior. While helping the church to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, he writes his own gospel in the hearts of the just. All their actions, every moment of their lives, are the gospel of the Holy Spirit. The souls of the saints are the paper, the sufferings and actions, the ink. The Holy Spirit, with the pen of his power, writes a living gospel, but a gospel that cannot be read until it has left the press of this life and has been published on the day of eternity. O great history, grand book written by the Holy Spirit in this present time, it is still in the press. There is never a day when the type is not arranged, when the ink is not applied, or the pages are not primed. We are still in the dark night of faith. The paper is blacker than the ink, and there is great confusion in the type. It is written in characters of another world, and there is no understanding it except in heaven. If we could see the life of God and behold all creatures, not as they are in themselves, but as they exist in their first cause, and if again we could see the life of God in all his creatures and could understand how the divine action animates them and impels them all to press forward by different ways to the same goal, we should realize that all has a meaning, a measure, a connection in this divine work. But how can we read a book, the characters of which are foreign to us, the letters innumerable, the type reversed? 
and the plages blotted with ink. If the transposition of 25 letters is incomprehensible as sufficing for the composition of a well-nigh infinite number of different volumes, each admiral of its kind, who can explain the works of God in the universe? Who can read and understand the meaning of so vast a book in which there is no letter but has its particular character? and encloses in its apparent insignificance the most profound mysteries. Mysteries can neither be seen nor felt. They are objects of faith. Faith judges of their virtue and truth only by their origin, for they are so obscure in themselves that all that they show only serves to hide them and to blind those who judge only by reason. Teach me, divine spirit, to read in this book of life. I desire to become your disciple, and like a little child, to believe what I cannot understand and cannot see. Sufficient for me that it is my master who speaks. He says that. He pronounces this. He arranges the letters in such a fashion. He makes himself heard in such a manner. That is enough. I decide that all is exactly as he says. I do not see the reason, but he is the infallible truth. Therefore, all that he says, all that he does, is true. He groups his letters to form a word, and different letters again to form another word. There may be three only, or six. Then no more are necessary, and fewer would destroy the sense. He who reads the thoughts of men is the only one who can bring these letters together and write the words. All has meaning. All has perfect sense. This line ends here because he makes it to do so. Not a comma is missing. There is no unnecessary full stop. At present, I believe, but in the glory to come when so many mysteries will be revealed, I will see plainly what now I only so little understand. Then, what appears to me at present so intricate, so perplexing, so foolish, so inconsistent, so imaginary, will all be entrancing and will delight me eternally by the beauty, order, knowledge, wisdom, and the incomprehensible wonders it will all display. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tomorrow is the feast of the confrere of 
Father de Cossade, that is St. Francis Xavier. And Francis Xavier was the first European ever to set foot in Japan and other parts of East Asia. He was a missionary, especially in India and Sri Lanka. But what's not well known is that he tried to establish a college, the College of St. Paul in Goa. And this, in fact, was his great love. He had never once asked to be a missionary. He never indicated any interest in being a missionary. He was only sent because another person got sick and St. Ignatius didn't know who to send and he assigned him. St. Francis Xavier was not good with languages. And yet he's one of the greatest and most famous missionaries since St. Paul. But the point is this, that he established a college because he wanted to train missionaries for this new world. All these Europeans had no clue what they were getting into. They had no understanding of the conditions under which a missionary in that part of the world had to live and act. And the men that were coming over were not really generally ready. Francis Xavier wanted to establish this college to train men for the new mission. And yet, everything was seen to go against him. All the people who tried to be put in his place didn't understand what he was doing and just kept messing it up. In fact, he got to Japan and he just kept hearing letters how everything was going down the drain, complaining of all these complaints about the new person in charge. Why was the Lord allowing this to happen? Something so intricate, so perplexing, so foolish, so inconsistent. And yet that college of St. Paul's did not die, and it continued on, and has continued on till today. The Lord alone can understand why he allows certain things to happen in certain ways. And St. Francis Xavier suffered greatly over this thing he loved so much and to what condition it was in. And so it's true that we need to see the hand of God at work. But it's not at all clear where all this is going. It's not clear what God is doing fully until we get to heaven. Just as a book does not fully make sense, in the first chapter or the second chapter or in the middle of a sentence. It only makes sense in light of the whole book, in light of all that's written. Just as the Bible itself needs revelation to make it clear who the snake is in the book of Genesis. So the meaning of the things that's happening to us are often not clear until the end of our life, until we get to heaven. But yet we have to persevere. The Lord knows what he's about. He knows what he's doing. And contrary to what it might seem to our reason, he's producing a masterpiece in your life and my life and in the history of the church. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.